0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspic. this is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Lockdown Giants Baseball, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Caspic, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On the show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Coming up on today's show, there are some more updates in the Giants' managerial search, Also want to talk about some trends around the game with general managers slash presidents of baseball operations. And then want to discuss briefly this 2019 World Series and some themes that have emerged here with the Nationals losing three games at home after leading the Series 2-0 now on the brink of elimination, having to go back to Houston. So a lot to get into on the show, so we'll just jump right in. The biggest piece of news that came out over the last few days over the weekend... Andy Baggerly of The Athletic reported that the Giants are moving on to the next stage of their manager search, and third base coach Ron Wotus has been informed that he is no longer under consideration. So there's a couple of key takeaways here. Number one, the fact that they're telling anyone that they haven't made it through to the next round suggests that they're done with their first round, meaning we probably know the list of names of candidates who are under consideration. And that initial list of candidates seems to have been Joe Espada, Pedro Griefel, Gabe Kapler, Mark Kotze, Hensley Mullins, Ron Wotis, Matt Quatraro, and Will Venable. So it seems very likely to me that one of those seven, because now we know Ron Wotis will not be the, the next manager, one of those seven will most likely be the next Giants manager. So it's a tough Reality for Ron Wotus, who has been a candidate for multiple managerial openings over the years and has interviewed for so many different manager- managerial positions and has never come away with the job. And so there's a decent likelihood that this could be the end of Ron Wotus's tenure as a San Francisco Giants coach. Because when the Giants do elect to hire a new manager, unless maybe it's Hensley Mullins, it's just hard to see them sticking with the same coaching staff that has been here in San Francisco for a long time. It's obviously well within the the new manager's right to pick his own coaching staff. So also over the last couple of days, just a couple of pieces of information have been leaked out about people who have made it to the second round of the interview process. Ken Davidoff of the New York Times reported that Joe Espada will meet with the Giants for a second in-person interview after the World Series. So much of the reaction kind of around the league and around people who cover the Giants has been that they seem to be zeroing in on Espada as their pick. But to me, it's it's a little bit suspect as to whether or not that's the case at this point. I think it may be jumping the gun a little bit because I don't remember where he said it, but Farhan Zaidi outlined what this process would be like. Actually, I think I do remember it was the uh, Andy Baggerly piece in The Athletic outlining what dave roberts went through when farhan zaidi and andrew friedman were interviewing to fill their open managerial position with the dodgers and roberts said that it was a grueling process and a long process with multiple rounds of interviews and dinners etc so part of that process was intentional to see whether the candidate could hold up to the grueling grind of what it's actually like to be a major league manager it's true i wouldn't really want to make a decision on a hire like this after just one or two interviews but certainly not one so the fact that espada made it through to the next round i would imagine that there are others as well and then sure enough earlier today craig mish of fantasy sports radio says that gabe kapler is getting a second interview for the giants managerial vacancy as well mish says that he believes that interview could be taking place today So, so far we have eight total names who interviewed in the first round, one eliminated, and two moving on to the next round. At least that's what's been reported. The Giants have been very hush-hush about this entire process, not really confirming any reports. So if I had to guess, I would say that at least three and maybe four of the eight initial candidates will have second round interviews with the Giants, probably taking place over this week. So it's interesting that the Giants' approach to this has been very different than other teams. Several teams moved very quickly with this process. I happen to think it's a good thing that the Giants aren't just falling in line with what the rest of the industry is doing just because they have their own idea about what this process should look like. And that's how it was with the Dodgers when Farhan Zaidi was their GM. So they don't really care what everyone else is doing and being fast about this. They want to be diligent and that's what they're doing. And I don't think... We really have any reason to criticize that, especially because there's not really any overlap between the candidates. It's not like the teams that hired managers already, those are candidates the Giants wanted to have. I think the Giants are in a position to take as much time as they need, not to mention the fact that the Giants opening is probably the most desirable among the remaining teams. So, anyway, I expect that we'll continue to hear updates this week as to who is receiving a second round interview and possibly who has been informed that they are no longer in the running. It's perhaps telling that we haven't heard anything about Hensley Mullins not being in the running because, you know, all the local guys, I'm sure, are pretty well connected to Hensley Mullins. And if he was informed that he was out, it would be surprising if that hadn't come out in the last several days because it seems that the Giants were informing people probably over the weekend. So anyway, it'll be fascinating to continue to watch and we'll provide those updates all along the way. Coming up in the second half of the show, I want to talk about a bigger theme around the league in terms of general managers slash heads of baseball operations departments. I think we're seeing a trend around the league and it's certainly worth discussing. And I also briefly want to talk about this 2019 World Series and some some key takeaways that we can use for our analysis of the sport overall moving forward. So that's all coming up next. But first, okay, as promised here in the second half of the show, I want to talk about a couple of overarching themes around baseball from hiring decisions to the World Series. So the first thing I want to talk about is this Red Sox firing of Dave Dombrowski and hiring of Heim Bloom from the Tampa Bay Rays. So Bloom was under consideration for the Giants last offseason before they ultimately decided to hire Farhan Zaidi. And Bloom was also under consideration for the Mets before they decided to hire Brody Van Wagenen. So people around the industry view Haim Bloom as a terrific mind in the game and someone who's more than capable of being a tremendous leader of a baseball operations department. I think Giants fans... The ones who really know what they're talking about would have been thrilled with Heim Bloom. And Mets fans, I think, sometimes perhaps wish that their team had signed Heim Bloom instead of Brody Van Wagenen. You know, the Tampa Bay Rays, if you're running that operation, you have instant credibility around the league. And that's what's so interesting about this. The Red Sox are a huge market team. And they are the defending World Series champions. I mean, as of this moment, there's no new world champion. It's still the Boston Red Sox. And so quite frankly, it was shocking that they fired Dave Dombrowski because he was just doing what he does. And that's kind of trying to win now at all costs, even if it sets you up poorly in the future. And so it, it was weird that the Red Sox cut bait there when they hired him in the first place and he just did what he did and won them a championship last season. But you know, as from an outside perspective, they were in trouble moving forward. And so Heim Bloom represents maybe not someone who's going to make a dramatic impact in the short term because they're already a really good team. They need some adjustments, sure. But what I think this does is it sets them up much better in the longer term because I feel like Heim Bloom can correct the course, the dangerous course that the Red Sox were on. They seem to be in danger of replicating what the Tigers have done, the Phillies have done, and the Giants have done, where they have these good teams and they kind of just fail to continue to develop talent. And so it becomes unsustainable and then your good players get old and expensive and then you start to be bad. So the Phillies and Tigers and Giants are all going through that right now. And the Red Sox are hoping that they can avoid that same fate. So I think it's a great hire for them. And it's just interesting now that all around the league we're getting these really smart young people to head these baseball operations departments and including the big powerhouse, big spending teams like the Dodgers, the giants, the Red Sox, the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees have just kind of developed into that. It's not like they had a real change in leadership there with Brian Cashman, but the giants hiring anxiety, the Dodgers with Andrew Friedman taking anxiety away from the A's when he was their GM, the Cubs with Theo Epstein, the Astros in that group, the Red Sox, the Yankees. So this is not just a small market thing anymore where the Rays were that fun, innovative team that had to be that way to compete in their division and in the league. Now the big boys are hiring the people away from the small market innovative teams. And so it's going to put those teams at more and more of a disadvantage, the teams that aren't willing or able to spend the kind of money as some of their competitors. But you know, there's all this talk from the broadcast booth or from the media constantly like questioning the validity of analytics and questioning, you know, the postseason plays out. And then it's just so tempting for some of these broadcasters to talk about this team X lost because they have too much of a focus on analytics and they don't value putting the ball in play and not striking out enough and launch angle, blah, blah, blah. They really, quite frankly, don't totally know what they're talking about to a large extent. And that's the other point I wanted to make about the World Series, is that when the Nationals went up 2-0 in Houston, the broadcast booth, the analysis, was all about how the Nationals' style of hitting the ball the other way and sacrifice bunting. It's what works in the postseason, and people were just ready to declare that the Nationals, not being on the forefront of the analytics revolution, uh, it proves that that's the the way of to go and that being overly reliant, quote unquote, on analytics is, is a flawed way to proceed with building a baseball team. But it's funny how that narrative just goes quiet when they suddenly get dominated at home in this series. Just putting the ball in play and sacrifice bunting, it doesn't automatically win you a World Series. You still have to go out there and play well. And meanwhile, the Astros just went into Washington, D.C. and completely wrecked the Nationals. They outscored them 19-3 to in D.C. Nationals never led at any point in their home games there. And the Astros hit a ton of homers. And so we can't talk about how homers are a flaw and that it doesn't work in the postseason when that's happening. But then when home runs are leading to team victories in the postseason and the World Series, we just go quiet on the topic instead of reversing what we were saying and recognizing, oh, maybe slugging does play a big role in winning in the postseason. We haven't heard that out of all the people who wanted to declare that it was all about small ball. And so the fact is, slugging is what wins in the postseason. Defense, slugging, and pitching. Nobody's ever denying that pitching is important. It's just a matter of do you want to use like your fourth starter who's not very good, Or do you want to use your four best relievers in a game when you don't have that dominant starting pitcher? The idea is just use your better pitchers. It's not about devaluing starting pitchers. If you have really good starting pitchers, every single team would take that. And there's no team out there that has ever denied that fact. Would you like to have a rotation of Cole, Verlander, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin? Yes, 30 out of 30 teams would in a heartbeat take that rotation. There's no doubt about it. So anyway, just tired of the narrative about how, you know, making this a fight between old school versus new school. It doesn't have to be that way. And there's just no doubt. I mean, the Astros are one of the most forward thinking from a baseball perspective teams out there. And here they are in the brink of a championship. So we need to recognize if we're going to pretend if we're going to use The Nationals winning two games to push a narrative about analytics. And then when all of a sudden the analytically inclined team, the more analytically inclined team starts dominating, we just go quiet as opposed to pushing the opposite narrative. It just, that's not fair. And it's confirmation bias. So anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Remember to get this show every weekday. You need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ben Caspic. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review, and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow, and until then, we'll see you next time.